Kristen Whispers Sonnets back to an evening edition, Saturday evening, in fact, because last week I um, was not very um, <laughs> good for the first time. I like skipped a week of this podcast and it I had it all planned out to do it and everything, but I've had so much going on because I'm finally getting work done on my house, which is a magical magical feeling and you know I, I I didn't know if I would um you know when that was going to happen and it's just been a turmoil because I've, I've been waiting for five months you know to get things done on the house and you know like mentally it's been hard I, I know you know life is hard for a lot of people but that's been my struggle and as well like uh, in addition <laughs> this week I also um, totally wasn't looking for it, did not expect it, have had bad luck for the past year, as I've said, like with my hurricane situation, all this, have no walls, I finally now have carpeting, got that this week, and I'm um, getting rest of the floors, and then walls, which is the wrong order, but, you know, at this point, I'm just trying to get things done and not, like, dwell <laughs> on the obvious, um, uh, maddening kind of details of all that, but, um, it's just nice, like, I'm sitting in my, um, old studio, which I haven't recorded in, in a long time, because it was literally concrete walls with studs and, um, concrete floor for a long time, and now it is got, there's carpet, and it feels nice, and so, um, but what happened, the other fortuitous thing that happened, which I was not, like I said, just uh, completely like I felt like I won the lottery, although it comes from a situation where I lost the lottery of hearts, you know, <laughs> that I have a heart condition, and I only found out about it, honestly, as an adult. I knew I had a murmur, um, but only until, like, the last couple of years did I, like, start going to a doctor like you're supposed to all the time where they give you tests and she's like oh that's a interesting murmur and then um had me go and get an EKG and I found out you know I have um like not the right amount of um valves in my heart and my aortic valve and so anyway I, I have a heart doctor now that I go to once a year and everything is okay you know as long as I'm not getting too stressed or whatever but apparently um I I didn't even think you know like with the whole COVID situation that that's a comorbidity and you know I you know I could advocate for myself and ask for something I didn't even want to I mean people were just getting older people vaccinated and you know you want to get all the people that need it so much and I but I did worry very much about getting it having a heart condition and not knowing, you know, what that means. So I've been pretty stressed about all that. And then all of a sudden, Monday night, I get a text message from Sacred Heart Hospital, which is the local big hospital, saying that um, I have been, you know, determined to get the COVID um, vaccination early and just from my records and things. And so I, it was just like I was so unexpected and they're like make your appointment and I figured it would be 
like get on and make an appointment and I would be a month later and I'd be happy for that. You know, I'd be happy that I got it then. But instead it was like I got on and boom, you're, I'm looking at times to get it like the next day. And, um, you know, I made my time and went and got it and it just knocked me out. I mean, I, I had this whole podcast planned for, I mean, the shot itself, don't worry, you should take it and it's totally good. I'm not saying anything negative, you know, but it just makes you very tired. And I mean, you know, like a lot of vaccinations kind of make you feel a little bit altered. Um, I had a good couple of days where I just had rest. I mean, I wasn't doing a whole lot at all. And so I'm feeling totally great now. And I feel completely grateful and lucky that I got to do that. And I didn't even, like I said, you know, attempt, you know, to like advocate for myself to get it. It was just like a gift of the universe. And I don't understand, you know, really how it all happened, but I'm so just thrilled. And, you know, I go back and like on the 30th and I get the second dose and they tell me, I've heard that it, again, the second dose makes is a little bit more intense. So I'm like, probably will be, you know, um, the first couple of days of April, I anticipate to be resting, you know, um, cause I just had a hard time with it last time, but the shot itself is great. It doesn't hurt. I mean, you know, great, but it doesn't hurt. I mean, and I'm scared of needles. I ran away from a vaccination when I was in high school, <laughs> you know, like when I was getting vaccinated for, um, you know, like I guess going to college or, you know, whatever, but it was, um, I ran, you know, totally took off running like a little kid. So, I mean, that gives you the idea of how bad I am with needles and yet, it wasn't that bad. I mean, I didn't look at it at all because I don't want to see what's going to, you know, um, the, the size of the needle or anything like that. But it was, um, the day doing it was not bad at all. And I, I so, you know, I wish everybody could get it right now, you know, and, and, um, you know, I hope that things are going to pick up with that, you know, with, hopefully a more organized administration, you know, in the White House and everything that's doing their job, you know, we'll see. But I, I mean, I, I hope that it's a sign, you know, cause I actually, when I was at the um, grocery store today, I was talking to somebody else who was a, a nurse that was in there and we, we just got on the subject in the line because she had had the vaccine. And she said um, that it was, they are picking up cause she's, you know, familiar with I guess the organization of how it's going that a lot in my area it's really picking up which I'm glad you know and I hope it picks up in everybody's area but anyway I need to read a sonnet because that's the whole purpose of this podcast is to keep sonnets in the atmosphere and I need to whisper one to you and actually let me explain these are popcorn sonnets this week because it was supposed to be this um, episode was going to be centered around the Golden Globes. I mean, it still is, and I'll say some, you know, <laughs> stuff about the Golden Globes as we get into this, because there's actually a couple of poems that have Golden Globe tie-ins in this, but obviously it's in the past, but I still wanted to do it and give my commentary, because my girl, Amanda Seyfried, um, was nominated this year, and so I was very excited for that and some other movies, so... Um, I had a little, you know, very small, <laughs> as in myself, you know, kind of uh, party for, you know, watching the Golden Globes and had snacks and stuff. 
So, <laughs> because I was excited. I mean, I love Amanda Seyfried. But I'm going to read first a poem that I wrote about the movie Palm Springs. Well, inspired by. It's not really about because it's more about details of my life. But it uses the concept of a time loop and getting stuck. Because Palm Springs, if you haven't seen it, is so awesome. But it was one of the best movies. Surprise. I tried to watch a lot of different Golden Globe movies this year. So I would be, um, even if I wasn't like, automatically enamored with the people or the plot and just you know Andy Samberg is not just like immediately somebody I'm like oh yes I'm all about that you know like but great I mean he was so great in this movie and all the all the actors were and it was just an entertaining it was just a good movie and I um liked one of my favorites and it inspired a sonnet because I feel like sometimes, you know, when you have a trauma in your life, you also, just like this movie or Groundhog Day, you get stuck in living out these um, bad experiences that you should let go of, but, you know, you're stuck in a bed that somebody else has, demo- you know, doesn't even exist anymore. Like, you know, I write poems about my, like, high school boyfriend, you know, and, like, who knows where that bed is, you know? I mean, like, it was in his parents' house when we were in high school, which was decades ago. And, um, you know, like, and, and that was a good situation. <laughs> That's not even a bad, but other people, you know, I, I write poems about, unfortunately, like, my own childhood bed, which is not a good, a lot of good memories. So... And I know that that bed is um, demolished, you know. I know it doesn't exist, you know. And so, um, anyway, I just wanted to write my own little idea on time loops and feeling stuck in your own way. Just like in the movie, they are stuck in sometimes not a good day. Like one of the girls always is waking up. I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but she's waking up in a bad situation. You don't find out until in the movie, and I won't say any more. But she's reliving. Like if you had to pick one day of your life to live over and over again, you hope that it would be a really good one. She's not waking up on a really good day, you know. And so that's kind of what this is about. I keep waking up in demolished beds after Palm Springs. I keep waking up in demolished beds. Semen stains fade, except in my head. In Egyptian cotton of the richest of them. Shredded, discolored, deposited in garbage bins decade ago. Though in my hippocampus they feel perpetually new, still rough against skin. Perennially bruised. Madness I medicate. Some evenings, not enough. My pink prudent sheets become black, twisted about a torso, cuffed to bed frames. Soundtracked exact of each degrading name. Sadistic rituals of men. Rehabs may be redeemed. Left me alone in this darkness, it seems. And, you know, like I said, it's just, you know, I can't imagine a torture greater than that of, you know, waking up always on the same day, except that sometimes I feel like when you get stuck in a rut, you know, of like thinking of bad things that happen to you, though you need to do that, you know what I'm saying, to get over it, there's also, I think, the possibility, you know, that you're, you know, and it's not your fault. You can't help that, you know, you 
you didn't do this to yourself, you know, someone else did this to you, but, you know, at the same time, um, you know, they may have moved on, whatever they're doing, you know, you're stuck in that, and that is a torture, and, you know, it's like, God damn these people, you know, that do this to us, you know, but at the same time, it's like, also, you, like, you gotta find a way to break the loop yourself, too, because, um, I know I can get like that and, you know, I, that was one of the reasons I think I went on medication, you know, is because I think I have, you know, also in addition to depression, you know, I have a very obsessive compulsive mind and, um, I relive these things, you know, I think it makes me a great, you know, like transcriber of things, you know, and I, I, I can, you know, I'm in that experience and I can write about it. But at the same time, I think sometimes my mind needs help letting go of things too. And, you know, and I don't, it's not my fault, you know what I'm saying? But it's like just a journey that we're all on to like make life more bearable, you know, for each of us. And so that was my, my tribute to Palm Springs and how, what it made me feel about my own life. And I recommend that movie very much. And I don't, th- I don't know if it won any Golden Globes. I can't remember. It's been, this is the problem of being a little bit away. But I wanted to say that I really, um, you know, even though there wasn't like a red carpet and all that, I liked seeing the stars. Some, this is a hot take, you know, because a lot of people didn't apparently watch the Golden Globes or weren't into it because there was no big red carpet and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, there were a few people that actually were there in the present. You know, the, a lot of, most of them were, like, zooming in, you know, from their houses. But I liked seeing people with their, in their own settings. And, like, I saw Nicole Kidman with her, ch- you know, children. And, you know, just, like, little Amanda Seyfried, you know, who that I'm about to read a poem that's based on, uh, inspired by Mean Girls and my own experience of when I felt like I was a mean girl and it caused more of a problem than I even anticipated that it would when I was in middle school I I was mad at a girl and I did tell someone something but it went everywhere and it was you know like me owning up to like you know just being a bad person when I was younger you know and and being like I was so threatened because this girl was very sexual and she came to my house and um actually like it you know she was kind of the wilder girl you know um who had moved into my neighborhood and I I was this girl who had a secret you know I had a you know dark secret for sure but I was very afraid to be sexual with people you know because I was in this very puritanical, abusive household, and the stakes for me were not like the stakes for other people. If I got caught being sexual, I was worried, you know, I'd be, like, institutionalized. I mean, all kinds of things were threatened to me, you know. I worried that my dad might, in anger, kill me, you know. I mean, I I was in a violent, you know, abusive home. And even with me not being sexual, there would be a lot of anger and directed at me, you know, and so it's just one of those things where you, you just have to like, um, I shouldn't, you know, I should have been more clear to this girl, but I couldn't, instead of being like honest and saying, you know, I I know I'm like a nerd, but you know, if truly I'm going to be 
you know, badly abused as this is found out. Instead, I don't, I didn't ever confide in anyone at that age. And I just got so angry that I felt like I was put in a bad situation. Um, you know, I had to like cover up for this behavior because it happened in my bed. And it's like, oh my God, if, you know, my, um, like parents found, you know, signs of sex, you know, in my bed that I would be, you know, it would be assumed to be me. And so it, you know, anyway, <laughs> I'm going on and on. It was a horrible time, but I'm going to read the poem and then I'm going to talk about Amanda Steifred because this poem was obviously inspired by me and girls and she, like, I just love Amanda Steifred. <laughs> so I had a mean girl season in my youth. Ethics, 14, not above reproof. A new girl moved in my neighborhood. Model aesthetics, promiscuous as I was, tiny, good, reproved, beat, punished, all the same. She spent the night inside my house of shame, witness to my dad's eyes always on me, decided to invite two high school boys to make me bad. While my parents were at work, she had sex with one inside my bed. The other sh showed me, open door, the truth, he said. Why it vexed me so, her freedom I can only guess, to know I could have died found in this nude context. I only told one cheerleader on the blacktop. Burn books, begin, one whisper, you can't stop. And, yeah, I mean, this girl was totally you know, like humiliated because of course you, you can tell one person something in middle school, but something that juicy, I mean, you're going, it's going to spread like wildfire and it definitely did. And she was definitely, um, you know, it's like the worst thing I think I did, you know, <laughs> and hopefully that I ever did, you know, especially like that age, you know, I just, you know, I feel very bad about it because, you know, it's just weird. Like when you're friends with a person and really I had no idea her situation. I mean, I don't know why, you know, really a lot about her. Like we were new friends and I was trying, you know, she was like the ultimate cool girl. And I was like this very awkward, you know, Mormon girl who was like, you know, wore, you know, didn't get to, you know, was dressed in like virginal, you know, clothes all the time. And, you know, but I, I was totally fascinated with her and, you know, there's, it was just a, a bad situation. And I regret so much my action of like telling someone about it, you know, what I should have done was, you know, talk to her better, you know, at the time. But anyway, that's a, a guilty story of mine. Um, the next poem, oh, I didn't tell you about Amanda Seyfried. <laughs> Wait, before I read the next poem, I gotta say, so she was nominated for Mink, and I loved that movie. I love Citizen Kane, and I love the story of Marion Davies, and, um, you know, be showing somebody that's kind of been reduced as, you know, this, you know, person that really, she didn't actually need all the help that, um, that, uh, was, now my mind is drawing a blank, you know, William Randolph Hearst was giving her, you know, she didn't need, like, that's what this movie is great showing was how strong of a character she was, you know, she was out there, um, you know, making a way for herself as a dancer and everything else when he showed up, 
And her mother told her, you know, she was a chorus girl, and he kept coming to see her and told her, kick higher, you know, <laughs> because she wanted to, um, you know, wow, this very rich man was wanted her daughter. But th- what the movie really showed is that, like, he kind of had a negative effect on her career, even though he was, in his mind, trying to make it grander. But she was a very skilled, like, comedian, and he want- didn't want her to play those kind of parts. He wanted her to be in the serious, you know, movies, and he would, you know, finance and spend all this money on something that it really wasn't suiting to her, you know, suited, and so she's, like, really set up for failure in a way that, um, like, perhaps if she had not met him, that she, you know, could have, you know, found her way in a way that suited her better, but at the same time, it showed, um, the love that she had for him, because at the end of the movie, you know, it shows his situation that she had, he had, like, had to borrow money from her that she willingly loaned him, that he had, you know, gifted her, you know, long, long time ago, but she, you know, was actually smart enough to, like, you know, budget and, like, you know, save money, and she was able to help him out when he was, to keep his house, to keep that castle that he had built, and, um, she really just showed the smart, you know, the maternal, like, he, uh, people, like, look at him as, like, a father figure of her, but she, uh, she also became, like, a maternal figure to him in that way, and, and, like, concern for him when, about Citizen Kane, that's what Mank is about, is the writing of Citizen Kane and Mankiewicz, who wrote it, and how she's, like, begging him not to, um, do this to, she's like, I don't care about what it says about me. I know, you know me, you know that's not true, what you're writing, but but it's going to hurt him so much, and he is already so down, you know, and it just showed the love she had for him, and it was a great, great role, and I love Amanda because she's such a completely cool person. Like, I am a person that lives in the woods. I love, like, um, if I, you know, won the lottery of being, like, a Hollywood star and had you know, that kind of money, like, what, Amanda, instead of, like, living in some condo, like, a a starlet that you're used to seeing, she lives on a farm in the Catskills that she, um, has, like, 23 animals and, um, her kids and her husband, and they have, like, caretakers for when they're not there, you know, to keep all, take care of all the animals, but it's just such a sweet, like, I just love everything about how she handles her career, her beauty, her um, kindness, her wit, and, you know, what she does with her riches, you know, like, you know, everything about her, like, I feel, just feel, you know, a kinship, although, like, again, like, the cool girl that, you know, that, you know, you long to have a kinship to, but I just, you know, I was so happy for her to have her first nomination, like, a big, you know, thing like this, because she's someone, too, so beautiful that I think she gets discounted sometimes in a way like a Marion Davies, you know, where people just are like, well, you're so pretty, of course you get these roles, but, uh, you know, it's just nice to see somebody that works so hard and that you admire do well, so that was a very happy time of the Golden Globes for me. And now I'm going to read you another movie poem that I wrote. This one has no Golden Globe attachment. I don't know if it was nominated for a Golden Globe, but it's just one I wrote about a movie called, um, that's actually from the movie um, Legal Eagles, <laughs> and it's called Chelsea Dearden, because I, I just really like this character um, 
because she is a made art from her um, trauma. And, you know, as somebody who I write a lot about my own experiences and trauma, this was always kind of fascinating because this was the first character that I saw that did that when I was growing up. And anyway, Chelsea Dearden. She sleeps inside a chalk outline of what remained when she turned nine. After she climbed last time into an alabaster wrought iron bed, piece of cake, a platinum head, singe forever in far father's studio. How many daddies must she show the blaze of her biography? From flickers, follows, pleased to stay, doe-eyed promise to obey. If they could only penetrate a corpse with foreknowledge, without remorse, coffin-flavored birthday cake, favorite artist, his burning makes, her pale palette crimson, her body brush, detailing both their deaths. What she will offer next is what is left. And um, I, that character, I, like I said, I you know, Daryl Hannah is <laughs> good in that movie, and she does this whole performance with fire where she shows, because her character's father died in a fire, and she's obsessed with it, and she does performance art. Um, and anyway, I, it's just my <laughs> little poem about Chelsea Dearden. Um, I'm going to read one more before I go tonight. <laughs> And um, I, I actually have another reason. Tonight I'm going to go get in bed and finish watching a great movie, um, which is my first um, time that I've ever watched a Chadwick Boseman movie. And, you know, I'm so excited because it's such a good movie. And I fell asleep last night only because it was like 2.30 in the morning, not because of the movie. I was so fascinated. But I'm watching the movie Marshall where he plays... Um, uh, Thurgood Marshall and I love anything about the Supreme Court like uh, I love I was originally before when I was at BYU uh, not of my own free will <laughs> um <laughs> but um just from my because that's where my puritanical Mormon parents sent me I was a pre-law major a political science major going into pre-law and it's hard to imagine now because I never you know made that career I, I was sexually assaulted at school and I've written on talked a lot about that on this and then left BYU and became a stripper <laughs> so that's my wild you know um, biography but um when I, I still have such a love for the law and I love especially to read about Supreme Court justices and anything about the Supreme Court and so anyway I somehow didn't know about this movie um, until just the other day, and it's, I was like, I've got to watch that next. And so that's what I'll be watching when I get finished with this. And uh, it's so good. I mean, I'm halfway finished, and he, I mean, it's just so tragic, you know, what happened to him, but he, you know, he's just such a star. But I'm going to read you this last poem that I need to tell you about first. Now, where did it go? <laughs> I flipped off my thing, um, my uh, where my poems are. Where did it go? Where did it go? See, this is what happens when I... Oh, there it is. Um, I had I put all my poems in a little notes app for doing the podcast. And since it wasn't... I did it last week. It was way down. And I got off the right page. But um, this last poem I'm going to read to you comes from 
um, people, when I first published it, people, all kinds of people would write me and say, oh my God, what senator was this? What senator did this to you? And, you know, assuming that the speaker of a poem is the author. And it wasn't, not only was it not about me, it was actually based on a movie that <laughs> kind of makes me laugh because it's um, called Wild Orchid 2, Two Shades of Blue. And it's a movie that... Um, kind of like a soft core it was a red like by the people who did you know red shoe diaries and all of that you know a little bit porn-esque kind of you know soft core you know movie but very like it was the first movie I watched like that that I was so turned on like you know um before I ever really watched like porn you know what I mean like I this was my porn <laughs> and um I it's all set in the past and I love you know I'm a person set in the past you know I write old form and stuff like that so it appealed to me and <laughs> on many levels some of them lurid but anyway the I, but it's about a situation the reason people thought it happened to me because this the situation when I read it you'll understand I mean there's been multiple senators and governors and everything else who this poem would apply to but this was set in the past and it was probably referring because they definitely make the character look like Kennedy but um they don't call him that but that's what I mean he is a dead ringer for Kennedy the actor who plays him and I don't even know who the actor is but I'm going to read Senator you have people one drives me now a cop off duty Knock a giveaway before I see the holstered gun. Won't chat or stop until I'm locked behind your hotel door. You have me, younger than your daughter. All the hair I have removed or bleached at your request. Camera ready for your call to action. Think of them as me, but more. You have your friends, ones like me, who know the secret parts of you. Co-stars rotate inside my screens, a tiny, tied-down show. The believers of your speeches, the great women's rights defender, except for mine. For them, you hide. With me, you cross the line. And on that note, <laughs> I am going to go off and watch some Thurgood Marshall film making <laughs> and uh, I will see you guys next week I promise to have a podcast for you I will not be away again I am a Capricorn and I feel very guilty when I, I can't meet my obligations <laughs> so believe me I, I did not feel good about not being here but I will see you next week go find something to cuddle with I'm going to cuddle with a new bunny I got because Easter you know but um good night and I'll see you next week on Kristen Whispers Sonnets. Kristen Whispers Sonnets. Join me for a sonnet bedtime treat.